0: This is
1: The Guardian. Hey, Laura Maffiotes here, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is the Full Story Summer Series. I'm joined by a host and audio producer of Full Story, Jane Lee. Hello, Jane. Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year. Did you make any New Year's resolutions this year?
1: (sighs) My resolutions are always very non-binding. I don't think I've ever actually followed through with one. But the main one was that I saw people posting, you know, the amount of books that they read last year, which seemed insane. Mm. Some people were posting like 50 something books, which is um, mind blowing. But I do want to read more books. And I did finish a book this morning. So it's going well. Well
2: done. (laughs) Not even like a week in and you're already kicking goals. (laughs) What
1: about you? Did you make any?
2: I mean, my New Year's resolution is almost always the same every year and I fail almost every year and that's just to sort of be a bit more creative and do more creative things outside of work, whether that's creative writing or drawing or just, you know, exercising my brain in a different way. Um, Mm. But I always find it really hard to stay motivated. I mean, it just, it used to come really easily to me as a kid, like I used to write a lot of poems and short stories, Um, but I, I don't know about you, but for me, it feels like the older you get, the more commitments you have and it's just harder to prioritize prioritise that time to just play around with stuff outside of work?
1: Mm, it's called capitalism, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. <laughs> There's no fix for it, no. unfortunately. <laughs> well, yeah, I
2: mean, I thought so too, but I, I read this article by one of our colleagues, Josh Nicholas. He's a data journalist here at Guardian Australia, and he uses big data sets to find really interesting stories. Um And he actually wrote about something outside of work. He wrote about how he's been teaching himself how to draw. um, And I was really inspired by what he said. And so I thought I'd hit him up for some advice on how I can get my new year started a bit better. Great. I'm keen to hear about it. Take it away. Up next, I talk to Josh about creativity and the lessons he's learned through drawing. When I got to work this morning, Josh was already in the office kitchen drawing a piece of fruit. To me, it just looks like fruit on a plate. But Josh is an artist, so he sees every little detail.
3: One thing I've, I have noticed, you can see, well, I'm starting to notice that you can see over the weekend how the bananas start getting spots.
2: When you are a kid, what were your earliest memories of drawing?
3: So I'm, I'm a really fidgety person. So I've always scribbled, like whenever I'm doing my job or on a call or something, I'm always scribbling. And for like the first, I don't know, 20-something years of my life, I was just drawing like basically the same cartoon face over and over and over again. You know, big round eyes, big round nose.
2: Was it a particular character?
3: No, I don't even know where it came from. It was just, it was basically just three circles for the eyes and the nose and then like a huge mouth. Did not look like anyone. When I wanted it to make it look like someone, you know, I'd add like hair or a hat or something.
2: Why do you think you liked drawing back then?
3: I I always liked art. I think I grew up around art because my family loved going to museums, and my grandma, my grandparents knew some artists in Sri Lanka. So I was surrounded with it. A lot of people talking about it. I think I was implicitly told that art is important. That art is something to uh, invest in. Yes, but also I don't know something to cherish and something to discuss. It wasn't just about beauty, it was something a bit more. But I was not very good because I was just drawing the same thing.
2: Josh grew up spending his summer holidays with his grandparents in Sri Lanka. And it was during one of these trips that he met a famous visual artist.
3: Yeah, so weirdly, my my German grandma was friends with Seneca.
2: Seneca, as in Seneca Senanayaka a famous Sri Lankan painter whose work has featured in international exhibitions all over the world, in places like New York, Tokyo, and Berlin.
3: When I was a kid, there was a gigantic Seneca painting in our living room. He's really famous for his animals and flowers, and they're very vibrant primary colors. They're reds and blues and greens. It's not like a landscape. They're, They're hitting you in the face. And so I definitely knew who he was. I definitely knew that, like, you know, this is the biggest thing in our house. <laughs> and It was by this dude. So I, I don't think I quite knew the scale of how, like, famous and revered he is, but I knew he wasn't normal.
2: Seneca told the Lascia Art Gallery in an interview that his paintings are often inspired by the natural world.
1: As time went on, I got very, very influenced by the environmental crisis in the world.
3: A lot of these actually are his garden. And so I remember his garden as well. He he looks at the flowers and the birds that come and visit in his garden.
2: So when Josh was a teenager and his grandma brought him to visit Seneca in his home, it made a big impression on him.
3: His house was plastered with his drawings and paintings and stuff. And they went back to when he was a kid. And there there are pictures... Of him, like, visiting the White House when he was, I don't know, eight or nine years old. Like, he was a child prodigy of that degree. Wow. And I think I always just assumed, like, all artists were like that. Child
2: prodigies. Yeah,
3: like, they were just born <laughs> magic. And, you know, Pablo Picasso or whoever were just always like that. And so even though I had this idea that, you know, I can draw these faces, I wasn't Seneca. Yeah. <laughs> I think for a long time that was in my head, that... Some people are just good at things Mm. and almost chosen people. And the artists were like the chosen people for expressing the world or expressing their ideas in other ways like that. And especially the technical ability to do that Mm. wasn't necessarily something everyone could achieve. And I think that's that's an idea that society shapes in a lot of us. Sure. And that's definitely one I had.
2: What did you think you were chosen for then?
3: Basketball, I don't know. I'm pretty tall. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> so you were like, I, I'm going to grow up and move out. Of <laughs> I,
3: was, I was never that good. But, you know, there, we all have abilities and one of my abilities is being tall, apparently.
2: <laughs> Josh continued to doodle, but it wasn't until he became an adult that he decided to take drawing more seriously.
3: Five years ago, I was on a backpacking trip, a very long backpacking trip in Europe. And I can't remember where I bought them, but I bought crayons in a store and and at that time I was keeping a journal anyway and I would sort of write down you know I I really love architecture so I, I would write down a lot of my observations about what I was seeing when I was you know going through Scotland and I started drawing some of the stuff that I was seeing so I was spending quite a lot of time in pubs and cafes and so I was drawing other people in the pubs and cafes but I really liked drawing I guess the kind of architecture we don't have in Australia. I really love those those old buildings, so that's a lot of what I was drawing.
2: Can you show me some of your early drawings?
3: This is a sketch allegedly of Dublin Castle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Josh's Dublin Castle looks like a 2D brick archway and in the centre of the sketch stands a blurry figure.
3: There's some semblance of a human there.
2: It's a stick figure. It's Josh. a stick figure, yes. <laughs>
3: so this is a crayon, crayon smudge. So this is... a Horrible medium if you're trying to record, like, forever. This was my amazing view of Dublin Castle.
2: Mm. But did you think it was
3: horrible? No, I loved it. I thought I was, like, the best drawer ever.
2: At what point during that trip did you decide that you would take drawing seriously?
3: I don't know if a, a switch clicked in my head, because if you if you look at some of these drawings, they are terrible. They, they are what a six-year-old would draw, um... They're not much beyond, you know, the very simple house we all draw with the the, the
2: triangle roof, the
3: triangle roof, yeah, and the little smoke coming out. But I, I realized that even though they were terrible, I really enjoyed it. I, don't, I didn't take out the camera again. I have no pictures from most of that trip because I just stopped taking pictures and I was drawing instead. I was more present and more engaged with the places I was in when I was drawing them than when I was just taking a picture of them. Because I was I was forced to pay more attention to things I would have just glanced over. How, you know, a building relates to the building next to it or, you know, how many people tall is the building? These aren't things you necessarily notice when you're just taking a picture. Yeah, so my memory of it is much sharper than a lot of the rest of my trip. And I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And I basically haven't stopped since then.
2: And so what do you think you get out of drawing as an activity? Like, what does it give you in your day-to-day life?
3: So like a lot of people, so much of my life is digital. And one of the things I really love about it is it is profoundly not that. Now I mostly use pen and watercolor. They are very analog. And it is very nice to not be staring at a screen. I'm, I'm an impatient person and I jump into stuff too quickly (laughs) if I had to self-analyze. And drawing doesn't allow for that. You have to sit there and actually look at what you're trying to do and slow down. It's just a constant battle to slow down.
2: (laughs) So you started drawing regularly without any real guidance from anyone else. How did you go on to teach yourself how to draw?
3: So a lot of it is YouTube videos. My first lessons I took were actually in the middle of 2020 during the pandemic, so like two years later. And that was when I first was like, I want to learn watercolour, but watercolour is really hard. I, I I finally started taking some lessons, and it's, it's incredible, like the little things, like slowing down and measuring, that have a huge impact.
2: And is that because you can see more details when you're drawing slower?
3: Yeah, so... A lot of the reason why people think they can't draw, and this is true of if you look at my older drawings, is you're not drawing what's in front of you, you're drawing the idea in your head of the thing in front of you. It's why we draw, you know, stick figure trees. It's why, like this drawing right now, his eyes are way too big. Yeah. People's eyes aren't that big.
2: What would you say is your biggest subject?
3: Probably my wife.
2: Tell me your wife's name.
3: Manoli. That's you.
2: This is
0: also me.
3: That's also
2: you, yeah. I like that one. And how did you meet Manoli?
3: Twitter. She just yelled at me on Twitter and then we went on a date. (laughs) I think the first date I drew her.
0: Did
2: she know that you were
0: drawing her?
3: Yeah. She liked it, actually, I think.
0: It actually could be anyone Also, My face is not that shape. To be fair, though, I'm telling you that now. I think when you showed me that and said, look, I drew you, I think I said, like, oh, that's so lovely and, like, that's great. You drew me. I'm so touched and so lovely also to be fair those were like early days of dating you've pulled
2: up the first picture you drew of Manoli on your first date how would you describe this picture Josh
3: oh, the, the proportions are well she has no forehead that's like the the main thing
2: <laughs> you kind of drew the eyes a little bit too high so yeah. you've got a tiny little forehead tiny with, little with forehead. lines on it you've probably aged her about 30 years <laughs>
3: She's got a huge nose.
2: Huge nose, big glasses. Her mouth is very far down (laughs) her face. And she has hair on one side of her head.
3: Yeah, I think I was trying to start it off with a ponytail or something and then just stopped.
2: (laughs) Is that also Minol? That's also Minol. I'm really curious about what she actually... I've never seen a photo of her and I don't know from any of these pictures what she actually looks like. It's like different people in every single one.
3: But the only commonality over these drawings is that she's got glasses.
2: Josh and Manoli were forced to do long distance in the early years of the pandemic, when Josh was stuck in Australia and Manoli was stuck in the UK. During this time, he asked her to send him lots of photos of herself so that he could use them to practice drawing her.
3: I I think because I was drawing her over that length of time, the drawings of Manolia, are the ones where you can see the improvement I made sure. because the later ones don't look nearly as alien
0: well okay off the drawings themselves I could absolutely see the improvement and that was great the actual process though I feel like people need to understand how much trouble you give people that you draw because it's a send me a picture you haven't sent me a picture in like three days because i don't have anything new to draw and then i reluctantly take a selfie and i send it to you then it's this picture's bad you have your hand in here i can't draw hands send me a new picture that doesn't have hands like so it's great that you draw me i love it but also no one sees my pain <laughs> You have improved a lot in your drawing, right? Like we're looking
2: now at a still life of a vase of flowers. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's watercolor, I think.
3: Yeah, it's it's watercolor. It's
2: so much detail in the shading and the flowers and it's nothing like the early sort of crude crayon drawings that you were doing. Together. No.
3: And actually th- this, this painting is illustrative because this is like the seventh try. <laughs> <laughs> and I posted the seventh try. But th- that's also another problem with a lot of the way we consume stuff now. You see all the people who are great at stuff, but you don't see the seven tries they where they screwed it up. It's really hard when you're when you grow up on social media. Almost entirely that's that's people doing really like really amazing stuff that I probably can't yet do. Mm. That can really get you down. I, I think there are really simple things you can do to like reduce the stakes. You have to reduce the stakes somehow. And when you watch sketches on YouTube, when you see them in Instagram and stuff, they're all using these these lovely sketchbooks. And they do flip-throughs where every single drawing is amazing. They killed it on every single one. And I, I have like four journals at home. I've not painted in any of them. Because every time when I start, I'm like, oh, what if this was really, really bad? And then like, Every time I flip through my, my journal, I start off with a horrible painting to begin with. And I realized that the easiest way to get over this is just using a pad where I tear off every page after I finish. And then have them in a pile? And then I have them in a pile. I have a, I have a huge stack of drawings because I draw two, three times a day now. And loads of them are horrible. Loads of them are good. They all just get whacked on the pile unless I put them up on my wall. But every time I st- I whip out my sketchbook, it's a brand new book because all of the all of the hits and all the misses are gone.
2: Yeah, and there's no pressure of having a whole book no. be perfect. But do you feel like you have a harsh inner critic when it comes to your drawing?
3: No, I forget stuff pretty quickly. <laughs> Quite a good superpower. And I've taken to putting up my hit, my misses as much as my hits there because very often you like I, I like something in it even if. Even if I've, you know, made the horizon too big on one side and not the other and the entire thing's lopsided, I can go, oh, I like how I painted that building. And, you know, as long as you can sort of keep that in perspective, next time I won't screw up the horizon, but I hopefully can do the building the same way.
2: Next, how to give up being a great artist and lean into the mess of making art.
1: Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here with a quick note about The Guardian. As you're probably aware, Guardian Australia's journalism is editorially independent, meaning we set our own agenda. We don't have a billionaire owner, nor do we answer to shareholders, so we're free from commercial bias. And this independence matters because it means we're able to challenge the powerful and hold them to account. Unlike many news organisations, we have not put up a paywall. We chose a model that means our reporting is open to everyone and funded by our readers who can afford to pay. Every contribution, whether big or small, counts. If you're able to contribute and have a minute, head to theguardian.com forward slash support full story. We've also linked to this on the full story page. Thanks.
2: Recently you and Manoli moved to Melbourne. How has drawing helped you explore your new neighbourhood?
3: So recently we've spent quite a bit of time, you know, in Victoria markets or around the Yarra.
0: This is a photo that I really like that I took on the train on the way.
3: So yeah, last Friday night we went out of the Yarra, the Christmas lights were on. So, Manolis recently started taking up photography.
0: What? I'm learning, so I will obviously play my rules before I learn to break them.
3: So, she was taking photos of the, the Christmas lights. A lot of the bridges were lit up really lovely. So, that that's a lot of how we've been exploring the city, is just going out with a camera, going out with a pen, and trying to figure out how it all relates to each other. I don't know, having an out-of-focus thing that's that prominent in the shot.
0: Hey, that's gonna be my, like, I like it. That's my style. That's how I'm gonna define all of these things. Now you draw while I go and try to figure out if I can. Right, I'm,
3: gonna, I'm gonna paint the, bread. With the
0: Yeah, paint it. Love you.
3: Love you, babe. A lot of it is just improving my, you know, mark making, improving the way I can see stuff. Um, So, you know, Picasso was classically trained, but he he once said it it took a lifetime to learn how to draw like a child. And so most of the things he was doing, he was doing on purpose. Whereas I feel like a lot of the artistic decisions I make, uh, something got really botched and I'm kind of trying to fix it on the fly. And I think my end goal for me would be I could sort of conceive it in advance and get there... In a straight line.
2: It's interesting that you mentioned that quote because I think as children we don't get so hung up on being good at things.
3: No, this is why kids, are, kids aren't kids afraid to learn anything. It, it's sort of something that gets beaten out of us somewhere along the way, that we, we lose that freedom. A lot of it is freedom to fail. A lot of us, and myself definitely included, we struggle with things where there's a high likelihood of failure.
2: I definitely feel that. I think when I was a kid I used to write a lot of short stories mm-hmm. and I just... I think when you talk about how much you love just the act of drawing, that's, that takes me back to when I was little and I would just write whatever was coming out of my head. And I didn't have any sense of whether it was publishable or anything yeah. when I was five. It's just like, cool, I wrote a story about a monster. That's like, that was very satisfying to me. But I think as you get older, you become more consumed with this idea of comparing yourself to other people and being good enough or worthy enough to pursue art. So how do you deal with that? Being okay with not being very good.
3: We are encouraged to go into the things we're good at. You know, you're really good at learning languages. Go do the thing you're already good at. Leave the thing you're not good at to the people who are good at that thing. But I think it's a lot of it is just what do you enjoy doing? The other issue we have as adults is I want my time to have felt well spent. Sure. And it's often, you know, if you spend a couple of hours on a very detailed drawing and then it absolutely sucks at the end of it, Mm. are you... Oh, that was a waste of two hours. You, we sort of have to get to the point where oh no, it was it was really fun doing that. You know, I think my drawing shows that I was terrible. Like I I wasn't born to do this, and I'm I'm still not Seneca. I'm still not in a place where anyone would pay for my art. But I'm really enjoying it. I may not have a a painting that I would want to hang up anywhere at the end of it, but it was really fun. And that's a that's a a mind shift a lot of us have to make in a lot of areas.
2: What would you say to someone who's not sure if they could ever do what you've done and take art seriously?
3: Oh, I mean, you don't have to. You could do you could do anything. But if if you wanted to draw, I think I think a lot of it is just keeping it in perspective that you don't need to sell this, right? You you don't need to make this for anyone but yourself.
2: I think that's the reason Josh can laugh so easily at his early terrible sketches. When he looks at them, he doesn't see how bad he used to be at drawing. He remembers the times when he forced himself to slow down, to focus on what was really in front of him, all those little details, and just enjoyed living in the moment. And what's your favourite picture that you've drawn?
3: Ah, oh, that's a good one. I think it might be this one. So this was this is a painting of the pier in Geelong. And actually this this is another one where I was sitting on a rock, it was a really hot day, and a lady came up to me and was peering over my shoulder as I was drawing it. And we started talking about about painting. And uh, it, it's a very simple it's a very simple drawing. The only colour in it is blue. It's otherwise just a pen sketch of the of the pier. It didn't take very long, but it was like... I don't know, I, I remember that day. And that was a really nice day.
1: <laughs> that was Josh Nicholas, data journalist at Guardian Australia. Special thanks to his partner, Manoli Vichidunga. Josh wrote about his experience with drawing in an opinion piece called I Used to Think Art Required Natural Talent, Then I Taught Myself to Draw. You should really check it out. You can see some of the drawings that he's done and his progress over time in that article, which is lovely and fascinating to see. We'll post a link to that on the Full Story website. This episode was produced by Jane Lee. Additional production by Karish Luthria. Sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The executive producer of this episode was me, Laura Maffiotes, and Ellen Lee Beater is the series producer for Full Story Summer. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you next time.